This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder. The only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe、yeah. some fresh air,、uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho, and today I'm excited to tell you that Laura Spath is with me today. I'm back. Thank you. <laughs> so, Laura,、um, I'd love to just get an update from you on your surgery, how your healing's going, what was you know, expected versus what is reality. So,、uh, when we are recording this, I am three weeks post op.、Um, I think when it's released, It'll be four weeks exactly, like on the actual day. So,、um, I am, there's no video to this podcast, obviously, but I'm still <laughs> in my recliner and I put the laptop on my little stand. So, I'm still not quite standing up straight. I'm not、uh, sitting up straight. Like, those things are pretty hard. But for being three weeks out,、uh, I'm doing pretty good. I don't know. It's,、uh, we can kind of back up and start at the beginning a little bit if you want to. But, yes. Um, I'm doing really well. So, for those of you that may have missed it, I had an extended tummy tuck、um, muscle repair of my abdomen, stretched out abdomen、uh, muscles, the diastasis recti, and then、um, a little bit of lipo on my flanks, right? Like,、um, which is what they typically do with liposuction skin removal to kind of like make everything look normal and symmetrical after it. So,、uh, I had that done on December 7th. And I will say, going into it, you know, we, you and I had talked. I was like super prepared. I was doing really, really diligent with my diet, just making sure my inflammation was low. I was keeping out, like, I usually do a lot of spices. I eat in restaurants. Like, I was pretty diligent to avoid a lot of that, just making sure that I went into this surgery as low inflammation as possible. And I really do think that that helped a lot. Um, And I, I, you know, I just felt like I was in a really good place going into surgery from a health perspective.、Um, I stayed the first night in a care facility, which is the best thing that I've ever done. 
Um, Wait, why, why is that? So after surgery, this is usually it's like an outpatient surgery. It actually, I didn't even go to a hospital. I was at like a surgery center from my plastic surgeon, which is pretty common for this type of procedure. Um, And sometimes there are like, I guess, I don't know, this was like, this care facility was like a house where you have your surgery and then they transported me on a gurney, right? In the back of a vehicle or whatever to, it's like a big fancy house in Scottsdale that they turn into like a plastic surgery recovery center. So like I was in one room, some lady with a facelift was in another room, somebody else with some other thing was in another room, but then it's staffed with full-time nurses. They are able to give you IV pain meds. I was in, I had a catheter since my surgery was so long and they actually were able to keep that in until like one in the morning. So almost 24 hours. So like I didn't have to get up and pee the first 12 hours out of surgery, which sounds like that is just such a painful thing. Like I didn't have to deal with that at first. Right. I was able to be in the full real hospital bed. I had nurses, even little things. Let me say this and not to like get too detailed about it all, but I, the, after they took the catheter out and like a few hours later, they get you up to go to the bathroom. And I had a nurse helping me and she starts, it's like five in the morning and she's like, okay, we're going to sit up. And she's like teaching me how to sit up for the first time, which was really helpful. And then as soon as I sat up, she's like, now you're going to start shaking. It's okay. Don't worry. It's just the anesthesia, like kind of getting out of your system. I sat up and I started like convulsing. I looked like I was having like a mild seizure, you know, like my body was just shaking uncontrollably. And she just kept telling me, breathe. This is so normal. This is so normal. This is like your body's just getting rid of all that anesthesia. And I just flashed at that moment to imagining myself at home alone with Chris and us not knowing that that was going to happen. And then Chris watching me, what, what he would have assumed is some kind of seizure, and him like right. panicking and the whole thing would have just been this huge disaster. I mean, like, I think it just ended up being the best <laughs> thing, honestly, for us, because I don't think Chris could have handled it. I probably couldn't have handled it. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, a lot of people I know don't do something like that simply because it's an additional charge. Like I had to pay $1,200 right. to stay at this care facility for 24 hours Thankfully, my surgeon did not give me a choice. Like he just said, I require this for this extended tummy tuck, this type of procedure. This is what I'm requiring for you. Um, Because I probably would have heard $1,200 and said, forget it. But when you're already paying this much for a surgery, like what's really like to have somebody really fully taking care of you for the first 24 hours was just so unbelievably helpful. And she got, you know, it was just, I highly, highly recommend it if you can do it. You know, if you're going to pay this much for the surgery, like get yourself taken care of in the beginning. And I think that matters so much. I wasn't aware that doctors even provided that extended care. Um, I know when we talked to Mary, it didn't even seem like that was an option and maybe it was, but I, so I was surprised because I do, know I think she, ha- I think she had the choice. It probably depends on like oh, okay. how big of a facility. Now I know it's a, it's a popular thing because Scottsdale, Arizona is a popular place to come for plastic surgery. Like it's like Miami, right? Like Miami and Scottsdale are known for having a lot of different plastic surgery options. So I'm assuming it's, you know, you could do that here. Um, but it did sound like there was options in Austin. I think it was just an additional cost. Mm -hmm. So I definitely know. Um, but it was nice just to have like a nurse taking care of me 24 seven. Yeah, that's smart. I think it's just make sure 
it's not like you know what to expect afterwards. And even if they think that they're giving you all the support, there there will always be something. It's just like when we have a baby, we stay there because they try to teach you how to nurse and they teach you certain things. And so I just think it makes sense. And it's just really smart to do that because it is your health and your body. And it makes sense to just make sure that you're on the right path to healing. Yeah. And she got me, you know, like I got regulated with, with meds from her a lot easier. And it was, that was really nice. The other thing is my surgeon actually came by the day after my surgery and checked Mm -hmm. on me. So I had my first post-op appointment there when we live an hour away from the surgery center. So if at, usually you go back to see your surgeon at like two days post-op, that would have been me driving two hours round trip to his Mm -hmm. office. Like I would have had to have made this huge journey in the worst part of the pain And so I, he just stopped by on the way to the office the next morning and was able to check on me. And I got to avoid that like huge, you know, ridiculous, like post-op appointment afterwards. So that alone made it worth it. I'm guessing that you are very happy with uh, just the care, your provider, doctor so far that's gone on. Yeah, it's little things. So like looking now at three weeks, you still have some, you know, swollenness, but it's still pretty wild. Just like how I look. It's still really, I just, I got dressed actually this morning in like leggings and a t-shirt and it still hasn't really sunk in. Like this is me. Like it doesn't right. feel real. You know, I just, I don't know. It just, it still is. I'm still feel so real, but I will say like, you know, I started, which we can talk about too, but I started getting, um, lymphatic drainage massages from like an accredited certified professional post-op masseuse, like that, all of those things are very specific. You have to make sure that the person that you're working with is licensed, certified in specific post-op massages for this. Um, there's a lot of really bad post-op massages, uh, people that can happen. Like, I mean, there's, I've heard horror stories where you get these like lymphatic drainage massages. And if you, and people are like pushing liquid out your incision, right. There's this like viral TikToker that apparently, like was showing all these videos where she's like pushing fluid out people's incisions, which is like the worst thing that I've ever heard of. You know, it's really terrible. And so, you know, this lymphatic drainage massage, they like barely touch you. So if you're not in post-op recovery, you're like, this is a waste of a massage. I'm barely (laughs) getting touched. Like it's just really light pressure and touches and circular motions. But, um, what's okay. This is like, we're all over the place today, but was the way TMI, but I started getting those massages right at three weeks post-op, which in talking with her, I would have done much sooner. She actually recommends people getting them done starting at like less than a week, like 72 hours to one week post-op. The lymphatic drainage massage can help reduce swelling. It can help minimize scar tissue. A lot of times after you have liposuction, you can get these really hard nodules that form from the healing that's happening in those areas. And if you catch it early with lymphatic massage, you can prevent those hard nodules from forming. You can get your, you know, she kind of like massages the area and it, and kind of guides things to the lymph lymphatic system. And then your body is going to flush out a lot of those toxins that you have in your body. It helps prevent like, you know, your entire abdomen was basically cauterized underneath when they do this muscle repair and it prevents like really hard scar tissue from forming. So all of those things are really important, but also, so like taking lots of pain meds and anesthesia and all this stuff can make you really constipated. 
And so I, I was halfway through this lymphatic massage and she's like, you know, on your abdomen doing these like circular <laughs> motions and my tummy started gurgling and like all of a sudden halfway through, I was like, uh, I got to go to the bathroom and I like <laughs> jump up from the table the fastest I have moved in three weeks. And she, we're, she comes to my house. So we're doing this massage in the master bedroom. I literally run to the to the master bathroom, which is right on the other side of the wall. This poor woman is standing on and take like the biggest poop of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And this poor, I was like, uh, clearly we know when I come back out, she's like, all good. It happens all the time. She's like, we know it's working. We got your system moving. We're draining. It's all good. It was like the funniest, most embarrassing yet best feeling moment of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the lymph system is, really important to move in general. And that's why for a lot of people that are having issues with detox, there's those rebounders or the trampoline. So our lymph system doesn't have a pump. So our blood, the it will circulate because we have the heart that pumps, whereas our lymph system does not have a pump. And so if you do not move, it just stays stagnant. And that's why they say it's mm. so bad to sit for so long um, on airplanes. And when you're just sitting for so long, it could just cause these clots. And so that's why the rebounding or these trampolines are so good because literally the lymph system is kind of vertical, especially in your arms and legs. And so that will just help you to drain better. And so for her to massage that, it it totally makes sense to me why she would do that. It's crazy that that person on TikTok was pushing it out through the actual (laughs) cuts. That's not the right way to drain in general, but you should be sweating or peeing or pooing it out. So that's all good. And then in our nutritional therapy school, when we would do these circular motions around our small and large intestines, one of the things, and we were trying to do it just to sort of muscle test, but we would also see in the same way that if you stimulate too much that people would have bowel movement. So it's very normal. Well, that's what she said when they're doing these classes to learn how, because it makes you pee a lot more too. Mm -hmm. So you're, after she stimulates this whole lymphatic system, you're going to be draining for three days really afterwards. And so she, you know, it kind of stimulates everything to keep draining. And she said when they were in class, like learning how to do these uh, massages, they'd have to take breaks like every 45 minutes to an hour, just so that everybody, because you're doing eight hours worth of like lymphatic massages on each other and learning. And so then she's like, everybody's constantly running to the bathroom. Why did you start the lymphatic system or the lymph uh, massage three weeks later instead of, I guess, the few days or whatever she said? You know, partly I didn't know. This is one thing. My surgeon didn't talk to me about doing the lymphatic massages. I just had heard other people in internet, Facebook groups and stuff talking about it. Um, I assumed I had to have my drains out first. I had two drains post-op. And so I had one removed at one week which is very normal. And then they waited another week to remove the second one. Um, it could have come out, I think after just a couple more days after the first one, but it, that my appointment just wasn't, it doesn't hurt anything to leave it in a little bit longer. So my appointment just wasn't for another week. Um, and so then as soon as I got my second drain out, I got clearance for my surgeon to go have those massages. And I started making, you know, I called this woman who had already researched it just so happened that that was Christmas week. And so she was like not available until the following week. So my goal, I thought I had to wait until my drains were removed. I assumed that it would make me drain too much out the bulbs or whatever, but I was mistaken. Yeah, I was mistaken in that. So it does make more sense that I could have done it sooner. I just, I just didn't know. So I think if you were, um, having this consult done or looking into these procedures or even just surgeries in general. Now I'm looking at it. My mom had these ankle surgeries, shoulder surgeries. I wish she would have done things like this after her surgeries. 
Um, you know, if you're having a lot of inflammation in your body, um, those types of things, a lot of you, these would be helpful for more than just tummy tuck reasons. Um, but I would talk to your surgeon before your actual surgery and start setting up those appointments as soon after as they clear you to do that. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. And that's why even for general massages, if you're just going because your neck hurts and you just want a sweetest massage or a deep tissue massage, a lot of them will say, uh, make sure to drink a lot of water and hydrate because you'll yeah. probably be removing a lot of the toxins in your system. So it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Yeah. And knowing everything you've gone through, and I know your healing has been pretty fast, I feel like than the average person, I do think maybe it's your diet. I think it's also your willingness and fight. But I think you're just you know, you, you're very strong. And I think I would have been crying in bed all day long. But knowing everything you've been through, would you do it again? And I know it's just so early on, but yeah, it's hard. I mean, I it's so wild already. I definitely don't regret it at all. I was expecting it to be the worst thing that I've ever experienced in my life. And it was not fun. I don't want to okay. dim diminish that. It was not fun, but I was expecting it to be so much worse okay. than it really was. You know, I definitely had some rough days. I still am not, like I said earlier, I can't stand up straight and stuff. I definitely don't regret it. Now, was it worth the money that I paid yet? I mean, it's, it is pretty wild still. I think I'm like, I haven't worn, I put leggings on in that shirt earlier. I haven't worn jeans. I haven't worn like, mm. you know, I went to Christmas Eve service in basically athletic plant pants <laughs> and then the blazer. So it looked, it was like, it was a pretty embarrassing, but I had on like workout pants and a blazer just to try to look somewhat festive. So I don't feel like I've worn real clothes and stuff yet to know, but I definitely have no regrets. Um, I think my recovery is has been very smooth and very, uh, for a lot of reasons you mentioned, and also just my age. Um, you know, I'm blessed to be able to do this. I'm 37. So the fact that I was able to do this now, um, is great. I have a lot of support. I was able to take a lot of time to rest. Um, a lot of those things that factor. And then I do think like just my health in general, if right. you, the healthier you are going into a surgery like this, the better recovery process that you're going to have. You know, I'm in some of these Facebook groups with people and there are women who were still obese and type two diabetic, and they're having these types of surgeries and their recovery process is very different. And, you know, one person is having like necrotic tissue and this, like the tissue that's not getting enough circulation to it and tissue that's dying and having to have, you know, all these other new surgeries again. And a lot of that is due can, can be not always, but can be due to health. It's a common complication. Um, but things like that can be related to the health that you have going into the surgery. Yeah. I know how strict you were. I mean, I was there for Thanksgiving and you were really just eating meat and, you know, drinking water and being super clean and strict. One of the complications of having blood sugar dysregulation or diabetes is that your wound healing is really poor. And you you all went yeah. through that with Chris. So I think that it absolutely affected your healing and, um, you know, you're showing the benefits of it. I did have my, my, uh, that massage I had at three weeks post-op and she was pretty shocked looking at my incision, which does go about two thirds of the way around my body. Um, she was pretty shocked that my incision is only three weeks out. She's like, this looks okay. really good for three weeks. So she was, you know, sees, obviously she sees these types of incisions all day long. Um, and was pretty surprised at how good it looks. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with it. That's amazing. 
When you put on tops, do you notice the difference? I know with the pants, you can't yet, but, um, or you haven't tried yet, but. Oh, a thousand percent. All of my shirts instantly fit better. I, there's a, okay. you know, like, okay. So when you put shirts on, I've always had a very thick middle, this extra skin on my belly. So the very first thing that I do when I put on a shirt is take my elbows and stretch out the bottom of the shirt, right? Oh, because okay, okay. most women's shirts are like tapered. So you put the shirt on it and you stretch, put it on and stretch. And instantly, and I would usually sometimes have to buy up a size shirt just to get it to like fit not too tight around my midsection and not look like it was too small. And instantly, I mean, I actually like had shirts in the closet that I had bought that were a little too snug in the stomach. And I took the tags off and put a shirt on this morning to something that I never would have worn because it was too tight in the middle. So even though I'm still really swollen, it's already wild just to see the difference in my shirts. Like I wore a shirt at Christmas time that I have, I pull out once a year just for Christmas. And this was the first year I didn't have to like stretch and stretch and like, or feel uncomfortable when I was sitting. It's just, it definitely is a very slow recovery process, mainly just because of the muscle repair itself. Like I feel like my incision hasn't really, I was off of pain pills within, I had my surgery Wednesday. And I think by Saturday I was off of all, um, narcotics or anything. And I took maybe Tylenol for a couple days longer. I haven't really taken any, I haven't taken any pain pills in weeks, but the muscle repair, the tightness, like that's why I can't stand up straight is Mm -hmm. partly because, you know, they sew all your ab muscles back together and it just takes time for them to heal. You know, I can't bend over. I'm constantly dropping things and Penelope basically follows me around the house and picks everything (laughs) up for me at this point. But um, you can't bend over or stand up. Like they want those things to heal. And then eventually they loosen up to where they're supposed to be. Um, but that's definitely the longest part of this recovery is the muscle repair and how, you know, sore and extensive that is like how tight you feel. You know, they always say that your ab muscles are the core and it's the core of keeping you upright and all this stuff. So how much have you realized that we use our ab muscles? Oh, it's insane. Like I, it's, it's hard to just sit up straight. Like that's why we're recording this podcast with me in my <laughs> recliner because I, I still can't really sit up straight very much. Um, and like the more I walk around, the more I like curl over and like hunch over just because it kind of just pulls and wears at you. But even just like going to the bathroom or, I mean, moving in any direction, you you don't realize how much you use your core. They always, you know, it's, this is a, it's a joke, but it's so serious that after you have a tummy tuck, like sneezing, coughing, or laughing, your life flashes before your eyes. Like it's literally the worst thing ever. Oh my my mom's here. It's Christmas. We're all having fun. And every time somebody like starts being funny, I just have to leave the room. I just can't even laugh. It hurts so bad. And then after you start laughing, then you're, you start, you stop laughing and then your muscles are still like having muscle spasms from all of it. So like, you know, coughing, laughing, and sneezing is the worst thing at this point. (laughs) Sorry. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Um, how is the mindset part of it? Right. So I'm sure I know you, I know that you love going to the sauna, being active, running errands, and you can't do a lot of those things. So all of a sudden you were so busy. I saw how busy your life was even when we went during Thanksgiving. And then all of a sudden now you're oftentimes having to sit down. How has that mindset shift been for you? And has it been tough at all? You know, in this surgery in general, and I think any surgery people go through is an emotional roller coaster. Your body is going through so much trauma. Obviously, I signed up for this. I will, this is a, not a health related thing. Like, you know, you have those moments of like, why did I do this to myself? 
um, which is very normal. I think that in general, like you can get emotional, your body is going through a lot of hormonal changes and trauma. And so, you know, I've had really good days where I'm like happy, chilling out in my chair and feeling fine. And then other days where you're just like, I am so sick of this and I'm ready to feel normal again. Why did I do this? This is so stupid. And you kind of go through this emotional roller coaster. And that is for sure. You know, I hear other moms with like really, really young kids and babies who don't understand like why you can't hold them and why you can't, um, be, you know, snuggle them and put them in bed, like lift them. Those types of things would be really hard. Luckily, my kids are older and understand what I'm going through. They also could come in here and hang out and sit and talk to me. You know, bedtime routine is different where instead of me going to their rooms, like they're coming in here and I can read to them from my chair, like we're still making it work. And my kids are a good age to understand that. I will say like, like you mentioned, I go, 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 go. And so it was very strange. I thought I'd be like sitting around watching Netflix full time and it was going to be living my best Netflix life. The first few days, obviously, when you're on meds, like I couldn't stay awake long enough to watch anything. And so it wasn't even until like through Sunday, you know, I was pretty much just sleeping off and on all the time. And then I'm crazy and went back to work on Monday after my surgery (laughs) full time. And I'm trying to like still do Instagram. And I filmed two YouTube videos in the last couple of weeks that are coming out in January about all this. So in some ways, like while I haven't moved from this chair, I feel like I've been just as busy as ever because I'm still working full time. I'm keeping up with locals, um, you know, my locals community. Um, I'm still posting in there every day. I'm I so I still feel like I'm just as busy as ever, but it has been strange to rely on other people so much. That's the part that I'm really not used to is just relying on other people. I can't take a shower really yet without like having some help. Um, so those are the types of things that have been, or that also that like just taking a shower is exhausting. If you, if I take a shower for the day, like that's my big activity for the day, really for the most part. And like trying to do other things, that part can make you very emotional with just how exhausting everything is. And so while I'm starting to feel better and I'm being, doing more things and I'm being more active, I just get really exhausted very quickly. And that can be really hard as well. So what is the exhaustion? I mean, obviously it's not a mental thing, but is it because of the abs and all the pain there that then you become physically tired? Yeah, you physically just kind of gas out really quickly. Mm -hmm. So you're like, I have a really hard time standing up for too long. My mom and I went to Costco yesterday and we walked around for a long time. By the time we came home, I just was like, you feel like you just had this massive workout at the gym and you're just exhausted physically. Um, you're also not sleeping well. Like I've, I'm still sleeping three weeks out. I'm still sleeping in my recliner. So you're not quite sleeping. You're uncomfortable when you're sleeping. I'm sure my deep sleep cycles and all the things are not fantastic, are not great. You know, um, trying to sleep in a chair and then also dealing with just pain and, and discomfort. Um, so for a lot of those reasons, but also just healing takes a lot of energy from your body. And so, you know, that alone, you need so much more rest than I would in normal circumstances. And then when you're back to feeling like life is happening at full speed, it's hard to, you know, get, so I can't take naps because I'm working full time. So it's, you know, it's hard to get that back into your, to make sure you're getting enough rest um, when you're also trying to also then get back into work. What about your diet? Are you as strict? Do you eat more often? Um, Are you eating a variety of meats? 
So that was very different for me. I have spent the last five years eating once or twice a day. Right. And then when they sew your ab muscles back together, your stomach can't expand as my stomach's the same size. They obviously didn't touch my stomach, but my abs can't expand as much as they did before. And so I get full very fast. And so my first two weeks out of surgery, I was keeping it very strict, um, you know, very simple meats, but I was eating like four times a day because I couldn't, you know, protein also is a really, really important for healing. Your body needs protein in order to heal. And, um, so as much as I knew I, I wasn't even hungry for four meals a day, but I knew my body needed the calories to heal and it needed the protein. And so I was having like three meals plus a snack a day just to make sure I was getting enough calories in after about two weeks, I was able to go down to just three meals. And I think now I'm down to two meals a day. So I can't imagine me going back to one meal again, but I'm feeling better now eating two meals a day. And I feel like I can go back to eating more of like almost normal size portions for me and then still getting in enough, enough calories. Do you feel the same hunger cues or the stomach? You know how a lot, in some of our old episodes, you talk about how a lot of times the hunger or the fullness would come from stomach stretch. Yeah. So obviously a lot of that's different for you. How, how has it been? You know, I'm, I feel like I'm never hungry, honestly, mm-hmm. just, I think that's part of the healing thing and you don't really have a ton of appetite, but I do get full so much faster. Okay. And I'm learning that it almost is like having stump, some kind of stomach surgery where just out of nowhere, I'm like, Whoa, I ate so much. And I'm, and everything just gets so tight because your stomach is trying to expand but my abs are not letting it expand. And so I just get like so tight. Like you feel like you're going to pop and you were like, I hardly even ate anything. So that's, that seems to be getting more normal about three weeks Mm -hmm. out, but I definitely find myself like eating a small portion and then realizing it was too much. That's been shocking for me to get used to. That's so fascinating. It'll be interesting to continue to hear the journey um, because it's, yeah, it's just so fascinating. All yeah. That's going I on. feel like I'm truly going into the new year with like, I always make fun of the phrase like new year, new me, but this year it really, I do feel like I'm, <laughs> I'll be like a month, you know, post-op when we hit the new year. And it's like, I do feel like it's a whole new person. Like I, it's strange. It's so, it still truly has not sunk in yet. I think, um, I'm going to the low carb Boca conference in a couple of weeks, which is also wild. At five weeks post-op, I'm flying to Florida to attend that conference, which is probably not my smartest decision ever, but I already had the Boca trip planned before my surgery was planned. So we're going to take it a day at a time. But um, yeah, I think that that maybe because I have to like wear real clothes. I don't think I could be wearing sweatpants during that. <laughs> so that will maybe be when it starts to sink in and feel real is when I'm like out and about out of the house, out of my sweats, like trying to wear real clothes. Like maybe it'll start to feel real then. Yeah. I I think you will be ready to fly then. I mean, you've been healing so quickly, so I can't imagine you not being ready, but that means that you'll also be ready for Hawaii. (laughs) Oh yeah. So that's what Chris was, I think a little nervous the first couple of weeks that he and I are going to Hawaii for three days at the end of January. And I think he was getting a little nervous. I wasn't going to be quite ready for it. And in the last week, he's like, no, you've improved so much in the last week. Like, I definitely think he's like, you'll be fine by then. He's like, I'm not worried about it yet. So I think uh, he's feeling more confident that that's actually going to happen. So as we're hitting 2023, do you have, I mean, I know not everyone has New Year's resolutions, but do you have any goals that you set? for yourself, your career, you know, even with your body's healing? 
You know, I always, I, I mean, I do love a new year. I love a new week. I love a Monday. I do like to set new goals for things. I, I think I've gotten to the point where I try to keep things fairly simple. You know, we often talk a lot about our one non-negotiable thing. And I think that's important for me. It's kind of where I'm at. Um, I think my one non-negotiable thing for this year is like, don't gain weight. I think <laughs> as simple as that is, I, I try not to like, I'm not, I'm trying to not have like weight loss goals or, you know, even fitness goals. Like I'm going to do my best with all those things. I have no idea what my eating schedule is going to look like. I'm not making fasting window goals, but I do think my goal is to just be like, to stay healthy and more than anything, like don't gain weight. (laughs) I don't think Um, you will gain weight. I feel like if anything, you might lose weight, but you've been so consistent in the last couple years. I just, yes, we go up and down five pounds, but I just know you enough that I don't think you'll be gaining weight. That's my plan. That's what, and that's why it's like, Hey, this is, that's a big goal, but it's also hopefully a realistic goal for me. And then I think I'm still going to be figuring out within that, you know, what does, um, all of the little things like that look like, you know, like how do I, what is else I want? I do want to, you know, I feel like I always have people ask me like, are you going to have your arms done? Are you going to have your legs done? Like, what else are you, you going to have your boobs done? Like, I have no plans to have any more plastic surgery at this point. This was enough. I can't stop my life like this anymore. This was enough pain and recovery for me for a very long time. You know, I think other things for me, like my arms and legs and whatever, I just, if I spend some, I know myself too. And if I spend some time in the gym doing some toning and some lifting, those areas will improve enough that I'm not as concerned about. I can live with them is really more what right. it is for me. Um, So I do think for me, it's, that's part of a goal, but also just building muscle. And I want to make sure that I'm approaching 40, you know, when women get to the point where they're entering premenopause, they lose muscle mass rapidly. And it's so important to make sure that I want to make sure I'm eating adequate protein. I want to make sure I'm building muscle. So for me, that's kind of a secondary goal this year is to, and I, when I say don't gain weight, like I know I, maybe I do gain a few pounds because of, I gain muscle. So I'm not talking that I'm just talking like, don't blow up my expensive surgery and gain a bunch of weight and get a belly back again. Um, but I'm saying I, you know, the fact of like building muscle to make sure that I'm healthy as I'm getting older is, is also really important. Uh, and so that, that's definitely a goal of mine. I'm not very good at the exercise working out thing. So I need to make sure that that's uh, a priority this year. Well, when I talked to Dr. Donald Lehman, who's, you know, a protein expert in terms of synthesizing, metabolizing, and he talks about how they did research studies on older women that don't really like to work out. And he found that, yes, you may not build muscle unless you lift heavy things, but otherwise, if you're just trying to maintain muscle, as long as you eat meat, And I guess if you have two meals, that should be sufficient. But if you have enough meat per meal, and then as long as you're walking or do and you move around a lot. So he said, that's all you really need to keep the muscle mass you have and so that you don't lose it. Yes, if you want more then you do need to lift heavy things, but just to keep it even walking, um, even stretching a little bit is should be sufficient. That's good. Yeah, Yeah, that's good to know. What about you? What are your goals for 2023? Do you have resolutions or are you guys, are you, are do you guys sit down and like plan out what your year is going to look like? Yeah. So this year we are going to just kind of re- revisit 2022. What are some of the goals that we had, you know, in terms of the company and uh, what did we not achieve and what would we like to achieve? And so we have those, I guess, company goals. I think in terms of me personally, 
I just need to be eating as clean as possible just so that I can make sure there's a lot of things coming up in Nutrition with Judy for 2023. You know a lot of them. And I just need to make sure that they are delivered. So that's sort of what my goal is. And then to make sure that I'm also taking care of my health as well. So, you know, I go to the gym probably three times a week and some days I don't do much, but it just feels good to go. But I think I want to up that a little bit more and maybe lift a little bit more. Sometimes I just do like cardio and the sauna, but maybe I just lift a little bit more too. So when you talk about eating cleaner to kind of make sure all the things get accomplished, like what, if you're, say your diet got a little sloppy, what, how does that affect you physically and mentally and emotionally that you feel like you can't be as productive? Yeah. So testing my eating disorder side of me, if I can have a little, like a small mint, I can do that now. But the ramifications I notice is if I'm not in a ketogenic state, I do notice I'm more tired the next day. So it's not about yeah. definitely my eating disorder is healing. Um, I could eat some vegetables. I can eat this and that, and I'm okay. But I feel that if I eat some amounts of sugar, I don't feel as, I wouldn't say motivated. I don't feel as energetic. And so that's where I feel that if I'm in a deeper ketosis state, then I feel like I'm rapid fire. And I feel like next year I need that rapid fire consistently because there's just a lot of things going on. And then too, when you're not working, you're able to enjoy your family time and not feeling like you're having to work and rest and work and rest and it helps you to balance work and life and family and rest and being able to do all of those things. Cause I, when you're living in this state of exhaustion, it just is, I mean, it really catches up to you and it catches up to your mental health as well, because you feel like you're not really getting an enjoyment out of your life. You know, it's all like work and, and you're exhausted all the time. Yeah. I um, noticed that too. Like, you know, if, I don't worry about ketones. I really don't even worry about them from a weight loss perspective, but I definitely notice a difference from an energy perspective. Right, right. Yeah, and that's what it is. Um, I also noticed there were a few, maybe it was a few weeks ago and I was so busy. I was actually starting to drink just protein shakes. You know, we got the Paleo Valley bone broth protein. And while they're good, I don't think it's the same as eating meat. And I just noticed that, I don't know if it's because I had a lot on my plate. I wasn't sleeping as well just because we had so much going on, even with the kids' school stuff. I told Kevin, I, I need to go back to just eating meat and not having bone broth proteins, even though it's carnivore, for lunch as a protein drink that has like 40 grams of protein. When I interviewed with Allie Miller, who's a registered dietitian, she talks about when she takes her daughter into stores, she feeds them uh, red fatty meat because there's a chemical in it called um, anandamides. And that basically is similar to how THC functions. And it basically is a calming aspect. And I believe it because when I eat fatty meats, I feel that I can handle things better. And I have less anxiety, less moodiness than when I'm drinking like a protein shake or having a little bit of sweetener in my coffee or something like that. That's also why I think I have issues with people who like eat nothing but ground beef, um, who are eating like, I like a lot of variety. Obviously I've been eating more chicken lately, but I also, I have to incorporate some fatty beefs, uh, regularly as well. And if you're living on burger patties or ground beef and chicken and leaner things, even if you're like eating a stick of butter at the same time, I do think that, you know, it's not the same as eating fatty beef and there's something that's just a lot more mentally and physically satisfying when you're eating that fatty beef. As a side note, as you're bringing up the macro stuff, it's just interesting. Um, I saw recently that I feel like there's this war going on online, and I don't know if you've noticed it too, but there's the people that were lean protein 
but then have switched over to the high fat. And then there's the people that are still lean protein. And now I see like there's this war going on. Um, I got a few newsletters that talk about why it's not always ideal to be pushing super high fat. And I just find it interesting because it seems like the, I don't know if it's specifically just carnivore. I think it's also keto, but there's a split in the community where people are saying that's not the way. And then there's this way, but I think the truth just kind of lies in the middle, right? You just eat some days you eat fattier, some days you eat a little less fat. And that's how, what's what you and I always say. That's why we don't really track macros like day right. over day because I don't expect my body to need the same things every same. day and it varies a lot. But it looks like the it's either the high fat camp or it's the lean protein, but now I'm adding carbs in camp. <laughs> and so it is this very interesting mix of what you're seeing, like two different extremes in a sense. Um, and I think you know that's where hopefully people can find what works for them. They can find what lies in the middle. And I think if one of those methods is sustainable for you and you're healthy, then great. You should enjoy it. But I think that as we're setting goals for 2023, I think it's so important to take things in bite-sized chunks, realistic for your lifestyle. Like neither one of those things would be realistic for my lifestyle. Me trying to incorporate some carbs would have me quickly going off the deep end. And I would gain a ton of weight back just because my food addiction would completely spiral out of control. I can't do the sticks of butter and live in the high fat world because I would never be satiated. I would gain weight. I'd be in the bathroom all the time. Like, you know, those things might work for some people and there might be validity to some of the claims that they're making for why they're helpful, but it also has to be sustainable for you and your life. Right. In the same way that I'm not going to order online expensive grass finished organ meats and, um, you know, regeneratively raised meat delivered to my, the taste like grass. Like I'm not going to do that either. Cause that's not realistic for my budget, for my lifestyle. You know, we have to be able to f- find out what works for us. And we've talked about this on several episodes before, but it's like, you have to make you, a, how you're eating work for the healthy life that you want to live and not change your entire life around to fit some diet that you think is going to be the most ideal like at what point is are you living this life that you don't want to live anymore? And I think that's so interesting to think about as we move into the new year. Everybody is trying to find out like what's the perfect steps and goal and weight loss protocol and get healthy protocol. But it really comes down to like what's the one thing that you can focus on that's sustainable for you that's going to help make the biggest improvement in your life. You know, there's somebody in my locals group and she's like, you know what? She had all these goals that she listed out. And then we talked about it for a while. And she was like, you know what? I think I just need to give up peanut butter. Like I'll Mm -hmm. figure everything else out as I go in 2023. But the one small thing that's having the biggest negative impact on my health, my binge cycle, my emotional eating, all these things is that I keep eating peanut butter and it's the cause. It's an emotional tool for me. It's causing me to spiral. It's physically bad for me. I'm getting inflammation. Like it's one small thing that I can cut to then have the biggest impact. And while she's going to be carnivore and she's going to try to do all these other things at the end of the day, her only one non-negotiable thing for 2023 is literally no peanut butter. That's it. And that's all she has to focus on to try to be successful um, and to try to improve her health. And I guarantee you, she's going to see mental and physical improvements just from that one change. 
Yeah, it's it's the habit stacking. So if you start with something small and you approve upon that, then you'll add something else once that becomes a natural habit. And then once you approve upon that, it just starts bleeding into everything in your life. Whereas if you try to change everything at once, it becomes so daunting, it's easy to fail. And then you say, forget it, I'm just not going to do anything. Right. Whereas the non-negotiable, I mean, it just makes so much sense. And I fully agree with you. I think the consistency part matters so much. I just noticed I'm, I'm barely on social media. We're hiring a social media person. So I'm going to even be on it less. But what I do notice when I go on is there's so much mixed messaging. You know, one person saying eat the carbs, another person saying eat high fat and someone else is saying eat lean protein. And I can see as a practitioner, even for myself, it's wow, there's so much mixed messages. I cannot imagine someone starting carnivore today when right. it's like, depending on who you follow, the messaging is different. And Ultimately, I think what Laura's saying and what I fully agree is you have to try your different levers and find what works for you and then what will allow you to stay consistent because that is ultimately the key. And there's no right answer for every single person. Yeah, we did that episode on like keto, like what is keto and and what's a definition of carnivore? And I think that was a really interesting discussion. So if you haven't listened to that and you're newer, I would go back and listen to like what is defining a carnivore diet was that episode we did. Because it's interesting when people do keto, it's a very specific set of rules and macros and like this is keto, yes or no. But with carnivore, it's like so much more of a gray area because there's so many different ways that people are doing it. And I think the number one thing you have to look at is why are you doing this? Are you doing this to lose weight? Are you doing it to reverse an autoimmune condition? Are you doing it to uh, get healthier? Are you doing it for gut support? Like what is the reason that you're doing this in the first place? And then the answer to that will determine, can you have spices? Can you have some carbs? Can you have, do you need to eat three times a day? Can you incorporate fasting? Like, why are you doing this in the first place? Answers, how should you be doing this? Uh, And that's where you're going to get your answer. It's not like that you're just going to copy me or copy Judy or copy somebody else. Like you have to figure out, the context of why you're doing it in the first place. You know, if, if you think you can handle carbs and that's makes you feel better, then maybe that's the answer. If you think lean protein is the way, then you can always try it. And if it doesn't work after a few weeks, you can always switch to a different way. But usually what the answer is really dependent on you and what again allows you to stay consistent. And there's no one on the internet that's going to give you that answer. So let's talk quickly about a couple things that are coming up. I know there's some things we can't talk about yet that are coming up in 2023, but one of the exciting things is that KetoCon is happening in April. So that's only a few months from now. Judy and I are speaking on a panel uh, about carnivore women, and there's going to be a very different, a lot of different women that are on this panel, some for health reasons, some for hormone reasons, weight loss, um, different ages. Like it's a, it's a really great variety of women that are going to be speaking on this panel, uh, I'm going to be an MC for one of the days, which is exciting. So I get to kind of be uh, introduce everybody. Like I'm super pumped. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not sure which day yet or not. And I think we're going to record a podcast while we're there too, right? They have a, they're going to have a podcast booth set up, and so we're going to do a cutting against the grain episode while we're there. We're going to do lots of gatherings. I know, like last year at KetoCon, my locals community. Um, had like a special meetup where we all went out to dinner, which was so great. I'm sure we'll do that again this year. And then um, we can even tease to the fact that we're going to be hosting a a carnivore event. Um, I believe it's going to be on April 22nd, which is the Saturday night of KetoCon. We're going to be hosting 
uh, a carnivore event where we're going to have all kinds of food and music and fun. That's actually my birthday. I so know, I was going to uh, say, I didn't even think that. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't want to like, this isn't like a birthday party for me party. It's just like. It's kind a of a Laura's birthday party too, though. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to throw a big meaty birthday party. And I think we're going to do some, a few giveaways and, and have like a really fun um, carnivore night that night. So we'll share more details about that. But um, I'm sure Judy has in the notes of this episode, like the, we have a discount code for the, you know, uh, tickets for KetoCon and all that good stuff. So if you're still looking for that, we will be there. Um, what else can we talk about that's coming up? Should we, should we talk about our 100th episode? Yes, our 100th episode. Okay, so we are going to sell tickets for if you want to come observe, ask us questions. We're going to treat it almost like a live stream where we interact with the chat and we answer a lot of questions uh, and really just hang out. So it'll be $5 and you can come hang out, support the podcast, be a part of the 100th episode, and then we will release it uh, in, I think it's end like beginning of February, right? Or is it end of right. January? I, I think yeah, it's so. end of February. By the time this podcast airs, <laughs> what we'll do is when this podcast airs, we will have posted the link for how you can sign up and we will get all the dates, uh, finalized. So Judy and I'll work that out in the next couple of days before this episode airs. So then we will both post it on social media and make sure you guys can, uh, find that. So we're really excited just to kind of hang out with everybody and interact and do something special for our hundredth episode. And then when we all get together at KetoCon, we'll kind of do some something similar, but it'll all be in person as well. Yeah, it'll be fun to do a Q and A and we'll have a few giveaways too, just to celebrate our hundredth episode. I mean, it takes a lot of effort to get here and, you know, without you, our community, we wouldn't have this podcast and just sharing that real talk that we really, really need in the wellness space where it's not about selling things, but really just providing support and having genuine conversation. And then I think at KetoCon, it's just to have a big old carnivore party where, you know, let's celebrate with meat and health and wellness and just have some fun. Yeah. In the next upcoming months, like I mentioned, I'll be at Low Carb Boca um, in the middle of, I think that's January 13th is the first day for that. I actually, I think I'm going to go to the Low Carb Denver one as well. That's at the end of February. That is February like 25th or 26th, 24th, something like that. I have to be in Denver for work on Monday, the 27th. And so when I found that out, I was like, Hey, you know what? My job will pay for my plane ticket and I'll just fly up like a day or two early and be able to go to the low carb Boca or uh, Denver, Denver. the low carb Denver conference, which will be fun. Uh, And then yeah, keto cons in April. Uh, What else? Yeah, that sounds fun. I I am trying to make the low carb Denver one, but it's been hectic. So I would love to go. There's so many great speakers that don't usually come out to all the speaking engagements. So I am kind of tempted to go, but yeah. Either way, I know Judy has some really awesome projects. I can't wait for you guys to hear about. We're going to talk about them a lot um, on the podcast. We both have some exciting things coming up for this year. We can't wait to share with you. Um, As you're planning your year, I encourage you to not take on too much. Don't try to overwhelm yourself with too many things, um, but make sure that the choices that you're making are sustainable for you and realistic. I love the concept of like pushing yourself. So I'm not trying to like, you know, convince people to go on coasting mode or to take it too easy on themselves. I also just know sometimes that like you mentioned earlier, when we push ourselves to just such high limits, then I'm completely guilty of giving up on everything because I feel like one little thing didn't go well. And so that's kind of where it's a balance of like pushing yourself, but also making it realistic. Yeah. It's just a fine balance because if your day does not go well, you just need to make sure and say, this is okay. 
what did I learn from it? And I'm going to move on rather than just being so hard on yourself. And if you start with so much on your plate in the beginning, it becomes so hard to do that balancing act. But if you start with one thing at a time and slowly add the same amount in a few months, then the balancing act becomes so much easier. And so it's really a mindset thing. And you just have to know how you function and what you really need. And if you add too much, and if that becomes overwhelming, then that's probably not the right approach. A lot of times what is successful and what makes people successful and allow for these lifestyle changes, it's kind of not pretty. It's just the boring, do the same thing day in and day out, have your one non-negotiable, then add another one and do things until it becomes part of your life. And it, it really sometimes just comes down to that level of simplicity. It's just take one thing, take the peanut butter and make that your one non-negotiable. And then once that becomes just the rhythm of your life, then add one other thing. And when you look back after one year, so much can have changed versus if yeah. you try to add so much at once. And one year goes by so fast. I yes. feel like the older you get, the faster these years are flying by. And sometimes we get in such a hurry, especially when we're talking about weight loss. But what good is it if you lose 20 pounds in January, but then you go off the wagon and you gain 30 pounds back by March? Like what, right. what good is that? When if it took you twice as long to lose it in the first place, but it was in a way that you could keep it up forever, you're going to be so much better off just by like slowing down and not being in such a rush. We didn't gain all this weight that fast. Like it takes us a little bit of time to change those habits and to do the hard work of like, why am I falling off the wagon? Why am I turning to carbs? Why am I turning to sugars? Like really digging into those reasons is how you're going to start healing yourself and doing the deeper work other than just the weight loss. Cause we could lose weight doing a lot of different things, right. but how do you keep it off in a healthy mental way uh, is, is a lot harder. I think a big reason my life has changed and permanently is the carnivore 75 hard challenge. I don't think I'll ever host one again. Um, but if you did, are you doing one for locals for your January? You know, it's hard to, so yes and no. It's, I don't, I say no, because I feel like everybody starts January 1st with like, come join my group, pay the, come join my challenge, come join my challenge. And I, and while, and I, and I just, I don't want to compete with that, I guess. I don't want to be in the mix of the noise of people that are trying to clamor for clients. And like, I just, I, people have good intentions and I'm not knocking anybody who's doing that at all, but I'm just saying, I just kind of hate to be in that same mix as well. So I'm just, there are goals. We're trying to set goals together. We're focusing on one non-negotiable thing. I also am very big on the fact that there is not one size fits all for everybody. And I cannot give all of the people in locals a protocol that's going to work for them. And I refuse to do that. What I am there for is to support them, to help them figure out what are your goals based on what's happening for you, your context. So if they're like, how do I lose weight? I don't give them a protocol to follow. I ask them questions like, how old are you? What have you been eating? What's happening in your health? What's going on? Like we ask a lot of questions and I try to help them narrow in on some specific, you know, goals that are realistic for them. And then we all just support each other. We share ideas. I, you know, I, I obviously we do live streams. I answer questions. I help people troubleshoot. So it is a challenge group, but it's not like a, it's not the, I guess, I don't know. It's not like a 30 day lose weight 
by doing these yeah, lifestyles it's not a quick kind of challenge. It sounds yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. really root cause healing. And I'm, it's just trying to be that. more about a community and like we do, you know, and trying to like, you know, I can't answer DMS. I can't keep up with them. And I'm so sorry to people if I have not answered your DMS, I just can't do it. And so that's a place where I can try to help people and answer DMS and do live streams and people post questions and myself and Chris, and then everybody else in the community is able to like offer help and support and, it's just kind of a, a nice place, but it's definitely not a, so it is, it, it's a support group community, but maybe it, we, I wouldn't necessarily call it like a challenge, I guess. I don't know. Well, challenges are very specific to one size fits all, right? Like everyone, even with Carnivore 75 art, it's these five things you do it every day right. and there's no kind of ifs, ands, or buts with that. When it's very specific, and I mean, I work with one-on-one clients, so I get it. You have to tailor carnivore to the specific person based on their right. metabolic health, based on their age, et cetera. And so I think if you need that level of support, it kind of makes sense to start with you, then do a challenge. And you already are, I mean, challenges work because there's a community aspect, which it sounds like you already have as the locals group too. So it is an option. I think if people want to troubleshoot carnivore in a way that makes sense for them, it sounds like the locals your locals group does make sense. Yeah. And I try to, like, I post all my YouTube videos early there. I do okay. live streams there. You can't see anywhere else. And then also I, I'm a lot more open there, to be honest, a lot more vulnerable and a lot more um, transparent with some things, or I share my opinions on things that are happening on the internet a lot more <laughs> freely, mainly because it's a closed community and I don't right. have to worry about getting feedback from the entire internet. Uh, and it's a little bit of a, you know, more, supportive place for me. And I feel like I don't have to worry about judgment and, you know, all that kind of stuff the way that I do on like the regular social media and internet and stuff. And especially now, like as things continue to grow and, uh, and social media gets even bigger, it's so much harder to interact with people on Instagram and it's impossible on YouTube. And so because of that, I really just, if I have time to spend in the day, I'm going to spend it talking with people and locals. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you don't have to justify everything you're saying or worry that right. people are misconstruing what you're saying because it's a community that does like you. So I do the same thing for my newsletter. People will sign up if they want to get information from me. So then I'll, I can then share some more of my thoughts and sure some people right. will still be against some of the things I say, but generally speaking, people are more supportive. Whereas if I put it out on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, there's a chance that I'm going to get hate mail for that. So I get yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, guys, well, look out for all the information about all the upcoming events that we will be hosting and being a part of so that, you know, hopefully we can meet you in person and just share a hug and stuff. And thank you, Laura, for sharing your updates. It's, it's so fascinating to me. I think it's, I, th I imagine it to be a larger incision than the C-section, but then you also have that ab repair. And it's so interesting to hear how much we really do use our core and, um, and then how fascinating it is to use carnivore as a therapy tool to even heal faster with inflammation in any type yeah. of surgery and just healing. Yeah. Hope you guys have an amazing 2023 and thanks for supporting this podcast. Bye guys. Thanks for tuning in to the cutting against the grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. 
You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Cut against the grain.